The Country Sport Breakfast with Brian Kelly on Gold Sport. Thanks to Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Contact our rural sales advisors today. Colliersrural.co.nz Time to catch up with our UK correspondent, Russell Hargraves, who's returned from his week in Majorca. Morning, Russ. Oh, it was lovely, mate. Lovely, uh, with my knotted handkerchief and my ice creams. Uh, yeah, lovely. Very <laughs> nice. Very nice. <laughs> Lots of Brits there. Lots more Brits than Spaniards. Didn't didn't see too many Spanish people, I have to say. It was a very British-based place with a few Germans and a few Dutch. But no, no it was very, very nice. Had a lovely time. Kids loved the ponds and the water and the chilling out and the beach and nice food, nice drinks. It was uh, a good few days to recharge after the end of the football and the rugby seasons. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and you're coming back to the UK now. There is a lot going on in the world of sport. I mean, you, you're like us, a surprise. We woke up this morning to the news that the Live Golf PGA European Tour amalgamation. Well, I tell you what, I was just saying to Mark, the producer, off air a second ago, it's so rare these days that a massive story suddenly just drops out of the blue. Normally somebody has spun something and it's been leaked to the media. Somebody's discovered something and done some great investigative journalism. You know, normally there's just some inkling something's going to happen. It's more a case of, of when rather than if and how it breaks. This just dropped. I could not believe it. As you know, I work very, very closely in golf. I, I host TalkSport 2's PGA Tour coverage on a weekly basis. I spend about 50% of my career covering golf these days. I couldn't believe it. I think it's good news. I think it's good news because obviously around the world, if we can have some kind of consensus, some consistency, that is good moving forward. The schism just couldn't continue medium to long term. It was doing the game so much damage. Yeah. But despite it now being solved, Brian, there are so many questions, aren't there? I could list you about 15 of them, <laughs> but we don't know how this new tour is exactly going to work. Will there still be three separate ones that sometimes join and sometimes are separate but are all linked? Will it be suddenly one amalgamation of events again? What's going to happen with the Ryder Cup? I would think it would mean that hopefully European players who'd resign their DP World Tour cards will now get them back and could maybe recompete. That's one of the big questions. And I'll just throw one more at you. If you're someone like Rory McIlroy, who's been the the voice, the spokesperson yeah. of the PGA Tour in this divide. You've spoken out. You've been a real mouthpiece. Suddenly, you're now playing in the future from the end of this season with the people that you've hit out at and with the very, very league that you've despised that effectively is now funding your league. And I wouldn't say runs your league, but it's probably got, in one sense, the dominant partnership financially, if not on the board. And if you're a player, if you decided not to go to live, if you're a lower ranker like a Joel Damon who's tweeted about this today, or a Michael Kim, or a higher-ranked player who could have gone for huge money, but you stayed loyal to the tour, others didn't, went, got the money, huge amounts of money, they're now allowed back in. They're actually far better off and laughing, the likes of a Phil Mickelson who's unsurprisingly delighted about this news today. They're far happier because they've taken the money, got it, and have still got their cake and eating it and are back. It's their dream outcome. And in many ways, as dare I say, Donald Trump has said of all people, it is Liv who had the dream outcome. And in many ways, they're the winners. The PGA Tour has looked down their nose at them. Understandably, it's had many questions about sports washing and beyond. It's all almost been forgotten. It's almost been abandoned. And um, I think there's a lot of discontent. And there's a huge amount of fractured relationships on almost every level that will somehow need to be healed now and right through to when this all rejoins, which we think is going to be from January.
As you said, Russell, well, there, are more question, there are more questions than answers, uh, that's for sure. Hey, let's move on. I want to know what's going on in, in, in British rugby, the demise uh, now of the London, London Irish. Another sad day for English rugby. Mate, another of the sports I obviously cover mostly. So two of my three main sports have just had momentous days, haven't they? But in stark contrast, as much as the golf was a massive shock, this rugby story we knew was coming. It should have come last week. London Irish were due to have the chop for their financial issues. A week ago, they were given one more week to get their house in order, pay their players their delayed wages, and try and get this US-based consortium to formalise the takeover and guarantee that the club had the funding to rejoin the Gallagher Premiership for next season. We've known most of the week it probably wasn't going to happen. And on top of that, on Friday, our time, our tax office, HMRC, basically wailed in and said we're going to actually wind London Irish up as well because of an unpaid tax full of about £250,000. And that's on top of about the £30 million they generally owe and about, I think, again, about another £250,000 in wages that they owe as well. It's a real mess. And yet, as you just alluded to, our game is in all sorts of trouble. We've lost Worcester, We've lost Wasps over the course of the season and London Irish now. League rugby here, club rugby just doesn't make a profit. The clubs that that survive rely on rich, kind benefactors who don't mind losing a million, two million quid a season. They just write that off, stomach it and keep it going. That's not sustainable. It's not been sustainable for years. COVID made the whole situation worse. And now we are staring into a massive abyss of a 10-team league. And those 10 teams, some of them, are in some financial problems as well. Nothing like as bad as I understand it of the three that have already gone. But a whole new league next season with far less teams. How does the RFU, how does Premiership Rugby sit down and make this work? The government has actually now said we're going to take over this situation. and effectively call the shots, run the problem and try and solve it and make you kind of toe to our lead. Whether that's good or bad, knowing our government, I don't know. But it gives you an idea of the severity of how bad this is. And for fans, for players, for players' families, for staff, it's a desperately sad time. They eventually got their April wages. They've got half of their May wages, and that's it. And now some of them have got to find new clubs, and many who don't will have to find new careers. And it's a really tough time here economically, as you well know, for anybody to have to do that. So an awful time and a rich, proud club. Not quite on the level of Wasps, but not far behind. Very, very sad. The amateur club will remain, just like London Welsh's amateur club remained. That's something. But the pro club that's been going since, I think, 1880-something is basically no more because they're not going to be refound and refunded and put into another league. There's no space. There's no chance for that now. This is basically the end. There's nowhere for a reformed London Irish to really go. So where this goes from here, I dread to think. Well, they need the Saudis to come in and pour some money into it. Let's talk about football. Too late. Football. If they've done it up until 4 o'clock today, great. Too late now. That's the thing. If they come in at 3.59 and plonked a billion quid on the table, brilliant. But they didn't. Uh, Spurs have got a new boss at, at long last, while Liverpool are closing on yeah. and signing as well. Yeah, so just a quick corner. Ange Postacoglu, Aussie, Aussie. Mm. Born in, in Greece, left Greece at five to move to Melbourne. And what an intriguing story. Player till the age of 27, quit through injury, then got into club management, then the Aussie national team management, very successful, very successful in Japan for many years, winning the J League. 
I think it's when he came to Celtic that he really registered on people's radar. And what he did, Brian, was took over a struggling Celtic team that needed to rebuild. Took a few weeks, let's be fair, where they started poorly and questions were asked. But then the new faces, the new style, his quiet, steely, resolute management style has effectively seen Celtic just clean up and win five of the six available trophies during his time, during that rebuild. Brilliant. And Spurs, my God, is that job a rebuild? So if anyone can do it, and I think command the respect of the players through his demeanour, I think he's a really, really good choice. Yes, he's about seventh choice for the job. That's not ideal, but we'll see how he goes. I don't think it's a bad appointment, particularly given the situation and who's turned it down. And just quickly for Liverpool, we know how great Brighton have been this season. As ever, Brighton star players get cherry-picked by other clubs, but they find new faces, they evolve, they move on. Alexis McAllister, just a brilliant Argentine midfielder, brilliant at the World Cup for Argentina, brilliant for Brighton all season, too good for Brighton, and I don't mean that with any disrespect. He's on the verge of joining Liverpool. Liverpool's midfield, poor for a while now, needs new faces. I can't think of a much better face than Alexis McAllister. Fantastic. Hey, so much to talk about. We've run out of time, Russell, so we'll do it again next week. You enjoy the week. Sounds good, mate. Much to discuss, as you say. We'll do it then. 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break. And when you do take a break, enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems, or a, but I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.